Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thank you for doing that. This is 1155B. The Bs are always great guests, and we have one today. Actually, a friend, Dr. David Alfrey, who is the author of Saving Grace, What Patients Teach Their Doctors About Life, Death, and the Balance in Between. It is published by WIPA, W-I-P-F, and Stock Publishers. Dr. Alfrey is, I should say, as a matter of a conflict of interest, an anesthesiologist by trade, like I was partly, at least I did both. He spent a year at the University of Kentucky as a surgical intern before seeing the good weather at the University of California in San Francisco for his residency, and in 1980 moved to Nashville. This is kind of the wrap-up of a career, I guess, where he served as chief of anesthesia and president of the Tennessee Society of Anesthesiologists. Dr. Alfrey, what are you doing now? That is, how much time do you are you spending with doing what? Well, I'm out of medicine. I left the OR seven years ago and spent a little bit of time at our ketamine infusion center, but now I'm totally out of medicine. My time now is taken up with a couple of grandkids, a wife of 45 years, some golf, and reading. Well, congratulations. Now, it's also writing, clearly, with this. And I should, before we get on into it, remind our listeners we are sponsored by two wonderful websites, lifefirstnaturals.com. Life First Naturals are the makers of True Biotics, the brand of probiotic that has double-blind randomized controlled trials that look at both bone health and preventing or decreasing the adverse effects of urinary tract infections. And my mind, these randomized double-blind studies show the benefits in women over the age of 50, but I do take them as well, as well as bovine colostrum, which helps prevent the breakdown of gut wall after strenuous exercise, as well as prevent upper respiratory infection in randomized controlled trials. And of course, longevityplaybook.com, there's a free app now free for you to try anyway for 10 days at longevityplaybook.com. It helps you curate your choices so that you'll stay younger and avoid Dr. Alfrey's former haunt of the cardiac operating room and ICU. So, David, there's some marvelous stories in here of how you grew up in medicine, and I think it reflects a lot of us physicians coming in as relative idealists and having some of that idealism beaten out of us by the system and long time on call. So there's so many wonderful stories that illustrate this. So tell me, do you have a favorite story? Gosh, there's a number of them. I think the one in the the introduction where I talk about the 19-year-old burn victim 
And no matter what we did, no matter how hard we tried, no matter how hard she fought, there'd be no saving grace, that when she died and my surgery resident had to talk to the family about her perishing, and I thought, how do you give them anything, any kind of thing that they can take away that they've lost their beautiful daughter? And when he finished the meeting with them, he said, I want you to know it was a privilege to take care of your daughter. That just set the stage for my entire medical career. I never forgot that. I never lost the fact that taking care of patients was a privilege. I still see patients in internal medicine in my executive health practice on Thursdays at the Cleveland Clinic and on Fridays in wellness. And to me, that's the, the ultimate thing is people tell us things they wouldn't tell anyone else. You get that privilege of trying to help them essentially stay healthy from my standpoint or in the operating room, it was help them get back to the same shape they were in before uh, the whole illness happened. The other story I really liked was your story about the initial gross anatomy, because we don't have much of that anymore. I don't know if you know that almost all of the dissections over the last couple of years have turned to virtual reality dissections. Yes, I, I just can't imagine that. Well, they actually get the virtual reality gets some of the similarity of hand motion and nerves, etc. So it isn't not working with your hands, and but it isn't getting the smell of formaldehyde, certainly. They don't bring formaldehyde into the computer simulation lab and just so they can smell it like they did, obviously. But talk to me about you actually, as I remember, thought you had failed the first day, if you will, of working with your cadaver. Tell us about that. Yeah, and I did fail. And what I failed was listening to the professor when he announced that, you know, you're going to be opening your cadaver box and these people have given this precious gift of their body to you students and treat it with reverence and treat it with respect. And I was, I was like many of my classmates. I was just excited to be there and let's get going. Let's find out what, what this cadaver can teach us. And what I should have been doing was really focusing on his emphasis on respect. And I think it just reflected the, the immaturity of a young medical student. I had so much to learn. And one of the things I had to learn was always respect that patient. Now, the other thing I should say that I have wanted to do, but you did, was do work in Operation Smile. So I honor that because that's quite a commitment of time and effort. Tell us about where you worked in Operation Smile, just one of the examples, and you can tell more than one if you want, and why that was so important to you and to your maturity. Well, first of all, tell us what Operation Smile is. I don't want to give it away. You can tell it better than I do. Yeah, Operation Smile is an organization started by a guy named Bill McGee, maybe three decades ago, and it's dedicated to operating on children in third world countries, primarily with cleft lips and palates, and hence the name Smile. And my first trip with Operation Smile was to Romania, and 
we were so trashed from that trip, it took us 26 hours to get there, that after that we said, you know what, we're staying in the Western Hemisphere. So then I took some trips to Venezuela and uh, Nicaragua and some other countries. And what do you do on these Operation Smile trips? What, what do you mean by repairing? Well, the typical uh, mission would be a doctor or two going down at the end of a week, say a Thursday and a Friday, maybe screening four or 500 kids and then choosing maybe 90 of them to be operated on the following week. And then we ran five tables. Five operating room tables. Yes, sir. And five anesthesia machines. Yep. And five, five surgical. Exactly. And we ran them from morning till night. You'd start with a little one that might be a year old, and during the day the ages crept up a little bit. But these were kids that... Many of them had never gone to school. They had no socialization. They had no chance at any kind of a normal life because they were so disfigured. And as my partner, Mike Stabile, said one day in the Nashville airport, he said, you know, David, it's an hour and a half of our life. It's the rest of their life. And that absolutely sums up what those operations are. Just giving these kids life, just so rewarding. So that was an Operation Smile trip, and what it does is it is literally volunteering your time, effort, and skills, doing something you're exhausted from during the regular week, so you can get exhausted from it on your vacation week. But emotionally, it is such a charge. I don't know anybody who did mission trips who doesn't look back on that without saying, that's really the highlight of my medical career. Is there another story you love? I could go through multiples, so I want to have you get a story you love. Sure. And by the way, I should say, we should just mention, the book is titled Saving Grace, G-R-A-C-E, What Patients Teach Their Doctors About Life, Death, and the Balance in Between. And I forgot to ask you, which I normally do, David Alfrey, what is the website for it? Is there a website? Yes, savinggracebook.com. Savinggracebook, no punctuation, dot com. So go ahead. You were telling another story, and I apologize. That's right. I was in Nicaragua, and I was an adult anesthesiologist. And whenever I did kids in my practice in Nashville, which wasn't very often, I had a nurse anesthetist with me. So we're two people and, you know, four hands. And down in Nicaragua, I'm kind of on my own. And I had a little one-year-old to do. It was the first case of the week on a Monday. And I was just so anxious because, you know, you're out of your comfort zone. You don't have all the things you have in America. That is when you say all the things you have, you don't have all the agents, all the supplies, all the drugs. And the machines and the machines are different. You get very comfortable in giving anesthesia because you use a similar or the same machine day after day after day. And so you know exactly where each, if you will, knob is. And so not only were you out of your comfort in that you were dealing with a child rather than an adult, and that is different for, our, for those of us who do adults. We're scared of kids and vice versa. So you're doing a kid and you're out of your element because you don't have the usual yes. customary things nearby. Totally out of my element. And the smallest children is the first case of the week. 
And on that Monday morning, the mother of my little child, a one-year-old, had a combined cleft lip and cleft palate. When she came up to me, the nurse working in the OR handed me the manila folder, which was the chart. And the chart was nothing. It was a sheet of paper inside written in Spanish. But on the outside was a post-it note. And it said, Jose something, and his travel information. It said, two days, first day canoe, second day bus. So he had traveled from somewhere in Nicaragua with his mother, took him two days to get to the hospital the week before. He got screened, was accepted. The mother handed the little baby to me, and he was light as a feather, and I'm scared to death. and I've got to go and anesthetize this little thing. And the mother was in a native Indian from Nicaragua. And as I took the child, you know, we looked at each other. And of course, we didn't speak the same language. And she was like a child herself, 18 or 19. And I always remember that she pulled me down. And I get teary when I tell this story. She pulled me down and planted a kiss on my cheek. That was the only way that she could thank me. And as she drew back, she had a single tear running down her cheek. And that's an image that it's just etched in my mind. I could never ask for any greater thanks for anything I ever did in medicine. So I'm tearing up here just listening to that. It's much easier reading it. You gave that kid and many others life. And so they became participants in society. That's the great gift that we have in medicine. And the saving grace concept comes through this book very well. The book is called Saving Grace. It's savinggracebook.com. What patients teach their doctors about life, death, and the balance in between. David Alfrey, A-L-F-E-R-Y, is the author. Again, Saving Grace, What Patients Teach Their Doctors About Life, Death, and the Balance in Between. What I can teach you in a few seconds is that there's valuable information at both the longevityplaybook.com, where you can get a free 10-day trial, longevityplaybook.com, for the app or on iPad or web, and lifesfirstnaturals.com, the makers of both bovine colostrum, very good for preventing, if you believe the double-blind randomized controlled trials, and there are enough of them I do, one of which is in Italian soccer players, getting them more days able to play soccer because they prevented both upper respiratory infections and maybe somewhat because they prevented the bloating or leaky gut after vigorous exercise. If you do vigorous exercise or you want to prevent an upper respiratory infection, think about and go and look at the data on lifefirstnaturals.com about bovine colostrum. We've been getting the privilege of talking with David Alfrey, the author of Saving Grace, What Patients Teach Their Doctors About Life, Death, and the Balance in Between. Do tell your friends about us. Do rate us weekly. We're on every week. This is our 20, I think our 22nd year, 1155B. So I guess this is our 20, maybe fourth year we're entering because we actually divide by 51 because it's only one week between Christmas and New Year's that we have a rerun best of show. 
Thanks very much, David. And especially thank you, the listeners, as you're what makes and motivates us to do this work. Thank you again. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest.